0: Again, good morning, uh, everybody. Good morning, online community. Glad you guys are here. This is a sweet day to be together. It's already worth it for me, that, uh, just that worship. So good. I'm gonna continue on in our sermon on the call, which is a life of discipleship. And uh, this morning, this is what I'm gonna tell you, my deepest wound, I'm gonna talk about money, and we are gonna talk about tithing. And then I'm gonna tell you why Jesus is the answer to everything you've ever longed for. And so that's where we're going today, all right? You ready to do that? You think we can go there? So yeah, my deepest wound, my deepest wound is, my deepest wound is that I have to do it all myself. That I have to take care of myself. That's my deepest wound. It's the all alone wound. Nobody's gonna be there for me. Nobody's gonna do it for me. Nobody's gonna have my back. That's my wound. Now, I'm not sure exactly where that came from. It, it for sure came from being a kid from, uh, of, uh, what am I? It, it's not important. The point is, I was, I was raised by wolves in the 70s and I knew that I was on my own to take care of myself. It was gonna be up to me. That's my deepest wound. And because I have that wound and I'm constantly battling it, you can imagine predictably that I have money issues. You with me? Because money issues are about security and trusting God provision, safety. And I had that battle growing up and I still carry that. And so as you can probably relate, and probably 101% of you have some version of all alone wounds or of doing it myself wounds or of money issues. Yeah, I've carried that thing. So in my head, I actually have both of these struggles. I have this one struggle of living in fear of what if it's not enough And I have this other fear or this other feeling that says if I had more, I'd be happier. If I had more, I'd be more joyful. If I had more, I'd be more secure. When I say that out loud, what a loser, right? I mean, like when I say it out loud like that because there are some of you sitting in this room that go, listen, I got plenty of money and none of those things come through that, right? We all know that to be true. And yet that's what happens inside us if we have some version of that wound. And so money becomes a giant part of our discipleship and as part of our stewardship. And we're going to talk this morning about the stewardship of our treasure, the stewardship of our resources, of our finances. Last week we talked about the stewardship of time. This time we're going to talk about the stewardship of our treasure of money because it is a giant part of our spiritual journey and our spiritual healing. Money's a big deal. Right on. You with me on that? You ready to go there? We're going to talk money. We're going to talk tithing. And we're going to talk about how Jesus is the answer to everything we've ever longed for. Okay, here's the definition of stewardship. We used it last week. I'm going to blaze through it a little bit because I want a quick review. Stewardship is the conducting, the supervising, the managing of something, especially something that the careful and responsible management of something that's been entrusted to our care by another. This is what Biblical stewardship is about. And so we're talking about our time has been given to us by God, right? To be entrusted to us that we might care and manage it for God. It's his. Our dollars are given to us by God because they're his dollars to be entrusted to us, to be used for him. Notice again, I said it last Weak that ownership isn't in there. Owning isn't in there. It's like this is conducting and supervising and managing, but not owning. We don't own the things that God has given us. We manage them for God. That's what stewardship is. Everything we have has been given to us by God. The big three of stewardship that we're gonna wanna talk about are time, treasure, and talents. And we did talk about time last week. And if you missed it, there's a lot of teaching about stewardship in general that I don't want you to miss that I do not have time to review today. Although I wish that I could, I tried first hour, and it was a phenomenal mistake because we went long. So I want you to go back and listen to that sermon. You can find those on our website if you're not able, uh, if you were not able to be here. But those are the big three, time, treasure, talents. We talked about time last time. But that concept of stewardship is so clear, and it comes out of one of the stories Jesus— well, it comes out of a couple of stories that Jesus tells about stewardship. We looked at Luke chapter 19. You can go and study that later on your own. The beginning of it is the story of the minas that Jesus is talking about himself. Like he said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to go get appointed as king and then to come back and be the king. And so this is like Jesus, you know, going away and then he's going to return and bring his kingdom in its fullness. But when he went away, he gave people a mina, which was a month's salary. And he gave 10 people a mina each said, now put it to work. This is the picture of stewardship. So while we wait for Jesus, we're going to put to work the things that He gives us to build His kingdom as He is going to come back and bring his kingdom in its fullest, but we become kingdom people. that's what stewardship is. I'm going to skip you guys that uh, you guys in the, in the back the um, those principles of stewardship, but except to just remind you that the, uh, the, um, when, we, when we studied this passage and looked at it, the core idea is everything we have comes from God, everything. And it's not ours to spend. It's his, and we're going to invest in it. That's what the uh, principles of stewardship are about. We'll, while we wait for Jesus, we're going to take what he gives us, and we're gonna invest it in building his kingdom. But I wanna talk about the stewardship of treasure. The stewardship of treasure is about investing every one of our resources, every resource we have given to us by the king, for the king. Let me say it again. The stewardship of treasure is about investing every resource we have that the king has given us by investing it for the king. When we talk about time, Time was about taking every hour that the king gives us to live for the king. We talk about resources. We're talking about money. It's about every dollar that God gives us. We're going to invest it for his kingdom. And that's who we are. That's what we do. We don't have that as one part of our life. but then we have this whole real life. We don't have a religious part of our life. And then we have our normal life. We don't have a, 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 you know, like my money. And then this is God's money. All of it as stewards have been given to us by God. And we are going to live it out for him. Now, I wanna talk a little bit about, before I talk about the stewardship of treasure, treasure, I just wanna talk about money a little bit. I wanna talk about some biblical teaching about money. Now, there there are so many ways this could go. There's so many verses I could talk about. There are so many passages and teachings that I could talk about, and it's all good news, by the way. This is all good news. This is all, because this is about being God's person fully be in God's person. This is about submitting to him everything we have so that we get to see the fruit of the kingdom of God coming through our lives. This is about being God's person so that every dollar and every hour and every gift as stewards, we get to invest in the kingdom, the fruit of joy and love and purpose comes back to us if we live that way. So this is always about good news, you guys. This is why I could talk about money with a smile on my face and even tithing as we get a little later in the service. I tell you, we're gonna talk about tithing? Okay, okay. Um, but let's talk about a few key biblical teachings about money. I was going to say, oh, there's so many passages we could study and you probably, in fact, you should do this. Here's some homework. Write me an email about all the passages I should have taught on. Like, how did you miss this one? It's so good. It's so like every day in my Bible reading all week, there's something about investing our treasure for the kingdom. There's something about money. There's some like, it's a thing in the Bible, but I'm going to give you a few just out of the passage in the sermon on the Mount. Where Matthew, uh, where Jesus is teaching in Matthew six. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter six, verse 19 and following. Okay, so on your device, on your, uh, your Bible in front of you. There's a couple of verses behind me, but we're going to look at the whole passage. And so I really need you to have the Bible open, or you're going to miss out on some of that stuff. So Matthew chapter six, starting in verse 19. This is Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Somebody have a, a page number for the church Bible. Well, thank you for being so bold and clear, 971 for that, okay, Matthew chapter 6. Oh man, this is such great teaching. So Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. What's a vermin? Anybody know what vermin is? Yeah, it's rats, right, exactly. So do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, which is not going to last, he's saying, or where thieves break in and steal. In other words, you can't keep it. You can't protect it. If we're going to be all about money, don't, don't be all about money on earth, he says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He goes on to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, he's like, whatever you're about, whatever you're focusing in on, that's what you're going to be all about. And so if your eyes are good, you're going to be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, if you're looking at the wrong thing, he goes on to say, man, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? It's awkward language, but the point he's trying to make there is, man, if you're focused on the right thing, whoa. And if you're not, how great is that darkness? Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. And then he goes, in case you're not clear on what I'm saying, you cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, verse 25, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't that life more than food and the body more than clothes? If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans, meaning those who don't know God, those who don't understand him as the perfect father, those who don't get Jesus, for the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's the word of God. Is that not a powerful and beautiful and moving passage? I love this passage. What what do we learn? Let's a few key biblical teachings about money from this passage. Number one, the first thing that comes to me from the first couple of verses is if you love money then you will love money. He says, he says in verse 24, where your treasure is, there your heart's gonna be. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, if you love money, if that's where your eyes are focused, if that's where your treasure is, then that's gonna be your treasure. This is an incredibly depressing and haunting statement to me. If you love money, then you're going to love money. Oh, Lord, I want so much more than that as a life. If you value, if you put all of your value in money, then all of your value is going to be in money, right? Like, wait, that can't be what life is about. And so Jesus is saying, that's not what you're supposed to do. Love money, put value on money, take care of yourself, all of your efforts going to build in your own security, et cetera, et cetera. If that's what you do, then that's what you'll get. And friends, I'm so terrified that my life in any way as a steward would devolve. Remember I sat over here last week and I said it, that would devolve into this small kind of a life that's a me-sized life. The security that I can provide, the ways in which I choose to use my time, my decisions, my insight. Like, I, I don't want to live my life on my own. I want a life that the king has led me into, that I invest in for his glory And then to see the fruit and the joy and the peace and the rest and the, right? All of that come because I've taken the things he's given me and I've put it into his kingdom. But if I love money, then money's gonna be my love. It's gotta be more than that. Second principle that comes out of this, money can't be your boss or your savior or your king. He says in verse 24 again, Sorry, the other verse I quoted was verse uh, 21. This is verse 24 I want you to look at now with me. No one can serve two masters. This is, this is a, just this clear teaching. He's like, look at, it, you, you cannot serve both God and money. If you try to serve two different things, one of them you're going to love, the other you're going to despise. One of them you're going to uh, love, the other you're going to hate. And he says, this is the contrast between God and money. That is a brutal, clear, black and white teaching from Jesus. Like, you can't serve both things. Money cannot be your boss. That is not what life was designed for. And those of us that have scarcity issues and fear and brokenness and wounds and sense that I'm not sure I can trust God. I don't understand what that looks like. And I have to take care of myself. Our money issues are around this, that we kind of serve money. It becomes our boss and our king because we worry about whether we're going to have enough. We worry about what we're supposed to do with it. And we end up not being God's person, but we end up being money's person. And money cannot be our boss or our king. You cannot serve both God and money. And what a, related third, what a related truth that the scriptures teach. Loving money is at the root of so much evil, sin, brokenness. Paul teaches this uh, when he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6. He says, for the love of money is a root, not the root, not the only root, but the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And he goes on to say, many people eager for money have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many griefs. Is that a heartbreaking verse? For the love of money, he says, is a root of all kinds of evil for many people eager for money have wandered from the truth and then pierced themselves with many griefs. Now listen, open our eyes fresh to this teaching. This is not about money bad, Jesus good. This is about people who have been putting money as their boss, as their Lord, as their king. This is people whose wounds have not been healed about scarcity and fear, who think they have to take care of themselves. And then he says, listen, if you're going to live for money, you're going to wander away from what's true. And what is true is that we have a father who has given you everything to use for his glory, and you'll have everything you need for you. This is the truth. And so, uh, you know, this concept, loving money is the root of so much evil. It's like, well, why, why would he say it like that? It's, it's the root of so much evil because evil by definition is sin. Evil by definition is being outside of God's plan. Evil by definition is being away from God's perfect wisdom. And so, Of course, loving money gets us into all kinds of difficulty because we're not under the kingship, the lordship. We're not living as, ready? Stewards of Jesus. Fourth principle that comes from this text, worrying about money is at its core, a spiritual problem. It's an identity issue. Worrying about money is at its core a spiritual problem. It's an identity issue. You may hear that in my story. I don't share my story um, for any other reason than, than for you to hear, oh, he's broken. There's some broken truth in his story. There's some brokenness in there. He's Jeff, you need to know. What do you mean you're all alone? You're not all alone, right? Your father is with you. God's taking care of you. You could trust him with your life. And and Jesus in his teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, I wish we had time to even parse it more, but it's all that stuff about He goes, don't worry about your life, what you're gonna eat or drink or about your body, what you're gonna wear. This is verse 25. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? In other words, he's saying, is not life more than worrying about taking care of yourself? Is not life worth more than your physical comforts through money? Is life more than just you worrying about whether there's gonna be enough? Well, yeah, we're like, of course it is. Well, what's, what is the more? The more is life's about being a steward of everything he's given you. Life's about building his kingdom, living for the king. Life's about submitting ourselves to his leading so that we might find life in its fullness that he's given us. And so this worrying about money is not like the last thing you need a preacher to do is to say to you, okay, stop worrying about money. Because that'll last as long as that sentence said to, you know, to say, took to say. Worrying about money is a spiritual issue. Worrying about money is at its core, an identity issue, because we do not realize that we have a perfect Father in heaven who will meet our needs and give us everything that we need. Come on now. We don't believe that about ourselves. We don't believe that we're a beloved child who he will never let fail. I mean, we're going to have mistakes. He's going to teach us. You know what I mean by that, though. He's never going to let us down. He is going to be our perfect father who will take care of us. Your heavenly father, verse 32, the people who don't know God, they're the ones that run after that stuff. But you know God, and he knows what you need. Come on now. How beautiful is that? Are you with me? So you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be what? Given to you as well. Oh, I want that identity issue healed. So what does this mean for us as stewards then? So if these are truths about money in the scriptures, and there's many, many more we could be teaching, what about, what do we need to learn about being stewards? First, we know that we're not to store up for ourselves. And of course, go on to say, store up for ourselves treasures on earth. We're not gonna be storing up for ourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because we know that those aren't ours. Those are not what that, everything that's been given to us was not for us to store up. That's what the teaching is. The parable of the talents, Matthew 25, um, the parable of the minas, Luke 19, that I just reintroduced to you. We're not given these things to store up for ourselves. We're given these things to steward, to manage, to conduct the affairs of the kingdom. And so we know that as stewards, that if that's what, what's true about money, that it's from God, and that we don't have to worry about um, our needs getting met, then we're not gonna store it up for ourselves. That's a key principle as stewards. So then secondly, we're gonna be very careful how we live. Do you remember this from last week? It's from the Ephesians chapter five passage. I hope that some of you were gonna write it on your mirror. Did anybody write it on your mirror? I was hoping somebody was gonna get a tattoo. Did anybody get a tattoo of this passage? I want you to see this again. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5, be very careful then how you live. If these are true, then let's be careful. Not fearful, not dangerous, but careful, intentional, strategic. Be very careful then how you live if we're stewards of the money God's given us. Not as unwise people, but as wise. Remember what wisdom is? Wisdom is applying truth. So live wisely. Apply the truth that you're God's beloved child And that he'll care for you and give you everything that you need. So live wisely. The days are evil. Make the most of these opportunities. Verse 17, and do not be foolish. There it is again, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so we're going to be very careful about how we live as stewards. I'm going to show you that verse again next week. We're going to keep that idea in front of us. So we're going to be very careful how we live if we're going to be stewards of the money that God has given us. All right. Well, let's look at what that might mean. Careful living. Carefully investing first in every resource. uh, Carefully investing every resource we have. Okay. Said that in a number of ways already. If we're gonna be stewards and we're very careful about how we live, then every dollar is God's and every dollar needs to be invested according to the wisdom of God. Okay, parentheses. Some of you are like, whoa, that! like what? Like, do you stand in front of the counter and go, I'm gonna buy that candy bar? That was, wait, is it $1.99? I don't know. I'd buy it if it was 59 cents. When I was a kid, it was like 12 cents. Now it's $1.99. Do I need to spend $1.99, Jesus? Do I need to spend $1.99 ninety nine candy? Like, like, that is a little overwhelming and I'm not asking you to do that. But this is this idea that we're very careful how we live, that every, every resource has been given to us. So we're going to have systems in place to know where our resources go. We're going to have giving in place. We're going to have um, budgets in place. We're going to figure out what's important, what the Lord has asked us to do. We're going to tweak it over time, and we're going to live with a clear conscience that our money is submitted to the Lord Jesus. That's what stewards do. It's the kings. So here I am, every month, every dollar. And that being said, I shouldn't I shouldn't kind of joke about that story about the candy bar because you know what? Maybe you need a little challenge in your life. Maybe we all need to be a little more like, do I, do I need another streaming service? Like, let me ask Jesus, you know, and give Jesus the opportunity to go. Thanks for pausing. No, or yeah, it's 499. Get another one. Like, what's the big deal? Like, ask him. Stewards are actively engaged in figuring out what the king wants us to do with the resources he's left for us to manage. You with me? Okay. So um, so we're going to carefully invest every resource that we have. Second, we're going to carefully in, uh, practice the spiritual discipline of giving and tithing. We're going to carefully practice that as part of, of, of this idea. All right, I'm a steward of my treasure. What does that mean? I got to get careful about every, every dollar that I have. It's going to be invested for the kingdom. And part of that is going to be the spiritual discipline of giving and tithing. You cannot talk about money without talking about giving and tithing. And you cannot talk about giving and tithing unless we talk about it as a spiritual discipline. Because it's never about God needing your money. God's not like $44 short this month and you're helping him out. <laughs> you know what I mean? So this is about us... Um, Engaging in the spiritual discipline of giving and tithing. Let's talk about it for a minute. Tithing means 10%. So when we use the word tithing, we call it your, gift, your tithes and your offerings. We sort of mix up tithing, the word tithing, and it sort of gets mixed up in just anything we give to the church is tithing. It does mean 10%. And the reason it means 10% is it comes from the Old Testament where the, God's people were asked to give a first fruit. They were asked to give the first 10% of their crops and their livestock to the work of God's people as a whole, and to the temple, to the worship of God, and by extension, therefore, the ministry that God had. So he was asking them to give 10% of the top, the first fruits. Um, and by the way, it's really interesting when you look at this, the tithing, and the concept of tithing, and the, 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 the theology behind this thing, they, they weren't giving it to God as some sort of a gift. Here, God, here's a gift of my you need these bushels of wheat or you need like that was not it they actually saw it as repaying god because it was his and they had god had given it to them and they were giving it back to god i mean that's how they see this idea of stewardship that everything they had was from god so it was god's they were giving it back to god so that was their tithe. And actually they had a second tithe. So it was 20%. And then they had a third tithe. Uh, every third year they had another tithe. And so when you divide that up, that's 3.3% per year. So actually Old Testament, 23.3% of people's income they were given to God and to his work. Want to talk tithing? Let's talk 23.3%. That's the Old Testament. And on top of that, by the way, free will offerings, love offerings, That was 23.3% was a beginning. The New Testament, the New Testament mentions tithing in the sense that it understands that tithing is a reality that religious Jews were doing. And Jesus doesn't condemn tithing unless it was hypocritical. So by default, Jesus is supporting this idea of living a life of a steward of giving and tithing as part of your stewardship. But he didn't nail down the 10%. Let me be clear. It's 10 or it's 23.3 or it's zero or that's not what Jesus did. Actually, the only thing Jesus talked about, about tithing is he said, don't be a hypocrite and don't neglect the more important things because you're all proud of yourself that you gave some money. Just like Jesus to cut right to the core and purify the whole deal. The New Testament doesn't talk about a tithe because the New Testament teaches that we're stewards and 10% of our money is not God's, 100% of our money is God's. And now it gets super difficult because the tithe is not 10%. The tithe is not 23.3%. The tithe is 100% because it's a spiritual discipline to say everything I have is from you and everything you have given me, I will submit to the kingdom work because I'm a kingdom person and you are my king. You, have I said that enough in the last two weeks? You see, see where we are? So then where does that leave us about this deal? Well, Jesus tends to affirm that those guys were tithing, but he says to do it with a right heart and do it as a a spiritual discipline. And that is true throughout, not just Jesus' teaching, but the apostles' teachings and through the epistles, that there's this idea of spiritual discipline, meaning that when we take our our money, all of our money is God's, let me be accountable to steward it, 100% of it, let me steward it for God. There's going to be a part of it that I'm giving away with no benefit to me as a discipline to say, oh God, I'm honoring that you're my God. I'm honoring that you're a perfect parent that will give me everything that I need. And this is a symbol that I'm all in on your kingdom. You with me? That's the spiritual discipline. And so we tithe. And I'm not going to hold you, and we're not going to teach, so 10%. Because that's not actually taught in there. The teaching is 100%. And what does that 100% look like in your accountability to be God's steward of all of your money? And what does that 100% look like in the amount that he's asked you to give away as a spiritual discipline? Now let's take one more step. And that is that we're gonna carefully be intentional about this giving because there's a super pragmatic call that we participate together in the work of Jesus in the world, right? And so we'll carefully be intentional about our giving because it's a pragmatic reality. God's intended us to to participate in his work through his gathered people, the church. Could God do it without your money? Absolutely, and I think he probably is. He's doing more than we can ever imagine. And so God's not sitting around going, I'd like to do more in the world, but you're not giving. I don't know how that translates. I don't know how God does all that stuff, but he's inviting us to participate. This is where the good news comes into this thing. We get to participate. And when you start reading all of the texts about people that are giving money and all of the blessing and all of the thankfulness that overflows, we get a picture of what the kingdom of heaven is going to be like. that we one day will sit down with people and they'll be like, I got saved by Jesus because of your church and then You know, like the stories are going to be crazy. That's the kind of life I want to live but we get super practical because God's like, great, the local church is gonna be my hands and feet in their community, in their larger community and around the world. And so give to your local church and your, and, and as well as other ways, other free will offerings, and all that kind of stuff. But let's give to your local church and watch the work of God unfold and you get to participate in that. And so, you know what? You're like, oh, well, like how, what are we gonna do? Uh, let, me, let me give you quick, uh, some quick pointers on our giving this careful intentional giving. Um, one, and I'll read two verses, and then I'm going to be done. First Corinthians um, chapter 16, this is Paul talking to them. He goes, listen, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. And I love that that line's in there. In other words, we're, we're, we're allowed to see in the ancient documents, this is what they all did in the early church. He's like, well, Galatians are doing it, you're doing it, New Life's doing it, uh, <laughs> we're in Bible churches doing it, right? This is what we do. Verse two, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. I love this. He's like, look, have a plan to give the part that you're gonna give to the work of the Lord and don't make me keep asking you for money. <laughs> is that great? <laughs> Our church runs on those of you that are like, this is what the Lord's told me to do. This is what's coming. And we're doing ministry in light of that. And that's why we don't have to keep coming and asking for collections. And this whole conversation, by the way, that we're gonna talk about tithing and money, it's not because our budget isn't doing well, our budget's doing great. And I said that out loud first hour, and then I'm like, or is it? I don't know, it doesn't matter, that's not the point. <laughs> the point is, as stewards, right, is this happening? Let's be careful and intentional about our giving. And, um, and so there's that passage, and, and I'll give you something I learned from that, and then let's look at the second, uh, in his second letter to the Corinthians, he writes this, remember this, Everyone everyone who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I love this reward piece that's in there. You're gonna have more of the life you're looking for. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I love that. You may have grown up in the church and heard somebody try to manipulate you into going, you should be happy about giving more money. Look, that's not what that's about. What this is about is if you have settled the issue that Jesus is your king and you've known that 100% of what he's given you is his and then you've been careful to intentionally and strategically figure out what the spiritual discipline of giving looks like to you, then decide it and give it and find great joy in what God's going to do with it. There's no guilt in that. That's an invitation to life at its fullest. Now, so what does that mean, those two, those two passages? In carefully intentional giving is this. Number one, it's gonna be individual. It's gonna be between you and the Lord. I'm not telling you you need to tithe 10%. That's not a New Testament concept. I'm telling you, you gotta give 100% of your money to Jesus. And you, you, you need to, as a follower of his, figure out how much that means you're supposed to give to this particular church and whatever else you do with your money. Do you hear it? It's individual. Each person should figure out what in his heart, between you and the Lord, you're supposed to give, and then give it, it says. And he goes, each one of you should set that money aside. Everybody participates in this together. That's why we always say, do you have a plan then? Do you have a plan to give to the church that you love? Is what, what have you intentionally decided to do? And that's an that's a, that's a encouragement toward life and joy and participation if you haven't figured that out. second. It's regular giving. The text says on the first day of every week, it's regular. It's regular from the standpoint that you, you it, it, that's just one function of intentionality. It's methodical. That's another function of intentionality, that there's a method to your madness, that you've set it aside. There's a plan. There's a commitment. We depend on your plan and commitment, by the way. When you give and you give regularly, and we know we can count on it, then we can strategize ministry that God's asked us to do based on the resources that are coming. This particular That's just a super reality in our Context. And so, is that how your giving is? And then in this text teaches us that it's proportional. He says, Set it aside in proportion to your income. Lots of other texts talk about that idea. That's where the tithe came from. It was a proportion, it was a percentage, it was a significant percentage. And so, our giving is going to be proportional. And um, there's no law around that, as I said. But since the idea of 10% is built into the spiritual journey that he put in front, of the Israelites to say 10%, because it's such a great number, right? I mean, it's costly, 10%. It's not huge, but it's big enough. So I don't know if 10% is a starting for you. If you haven't been giving, and you're like, are you kidding me, 10%? Then, Then start proportionally, start with 1%. And the next year, go to two. And next year, three. But the proportional idea is that it's part of what God has given you and asked you to do. So that's a little quick Sermon on tithing, as I said, but I said I was also not only we're we going to talk about money, not only we're we going to talk about tithing, and we did talk about my wounds, but let's talk about the good news. And, and, band, come up here. Let's, let's worship as we close our time together in response. But if stewardship is about, is it, stewarding our treasure is about investing every resource that is given to us by the king for the king, then here's some good news around that, church. The good news is God is able to heal our deep wounds that lead to scarcity and fear because this is an identity issue at its core. If stewardship is about giving stewardship is about spending for him, investing, excuse me, for him. If that's what this is all about, then there is a healing that God is going to offer us. That's going to come our way. And I am 100% convinced that as we submit ourselves to the Holy spirit, we can find that healing. Because so, when we practice that stewardship of our treasure, and here it is, we're going to find the freedom and the joy that we were always looking for. And so a wounded person like me, who lives with this fear that there's not going to be enough, and maybe if I had some more, then I'd be more restful, more joyful, more productive, more whatever, happier. And if God heals that, then money issues will settle themselves. And I'm gonna find along with you that my joy is in being God's man every hour, every dollar, every aspect of who I am. And that is gonna be way more than enough. That 2 Corinthians passage that I read you, the next verse that I didn't put on the screen says this. And God, when we practice stewardship of our treasure, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work for the king. Is that not beautiful? That's the provision of God, that's the healing he wants to do in our lives, and that's the joy of the invitation to be stewards of our treasure. Even now, we ask God for that healing, we proclaim that he's enough and we worship him. Let's stand in response.